This is now part number three of message six on the red heifer, our message on imagination. Continued. How was she able to imagine how that fruit was going to taste if she had never tasted it? How did she imagine and know that it would be good for food if she had never eaten it? All this was taking place in the temptation all in her mind. And not just the mind, her thinking, but also in the imagination, the intentions. How in the world could she imagine that she would be like God if she ate this fruit? Well, the only way she could do that is if in the mind and in the thoughts of the imaginations and in the thoughts of the purposes and plans and intentions and the motives, she was able to make a decision and then kick in her will and follow it through with an action. That's why when you read in James in chapter 1, it talks about, you know, uh, uh, when man falls into diverse temptations and, and, and it talks about the trying of our faith. And then it goes on to explain that there's first the lusting of, of a thing. That means in your imagination, in your mind, you have first dealt with that thing and you have spun it around and around and you've looked at it right, you've looked at it left and, and you've thought, well, how about this, how about that? And in your mind, you've already contrived plans, ideas, thoughts, words, or actions concerning the thing. And then once the lust has conceived, once anything conceives, if you let it go through the processes of, 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 of conception, it ultimately comes to the point that it reaches a day and an hour and a minute when that thing is brought forth and birthed into this world. So sin, once it has conceived, it brings, I mean, once lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And once sin has reached its full purpose, its maturity, once it's reached the climax of the reason for its existence, then that sin brings forth death. That is the end result of what had been lusted and imagined for. The thing that had been desired, and that is one of the things that we're going to look at, that imagination also has the connotation behind it of the thing that a person desires. A, a, a thing that a person wants, a, a, a thing that a person cannot have in, in the reality yet, but in his mind, he contrives that thing, he plans it, he brings it to existence into his mind. I could say lemon right now. I could even say lemonade. Or I could say a lemon that is being squeezed, that is just have all kinds of juice just flowing out of it. Yet you don't have a lemon that you're smelling. You don't have a lemon that you're looking at there. But yet in your mind, you already told the rest of your body. And your saliva in your mouth is already dripping because of the lemon. Yet it's not there. It's not real. 
It's all in your mind. The same thing with people that get involved with what they call psychosomatic uh, sicknesses or diseases. They believe it so much in their imagination. They believe it so much in their mind that eventually they believe it into existence psychologically in their mind so that their body begins to adapt to what they believe. Not mind over matter, but we're talking about an individual. Just like Jesus said, that if in your heart you have conceived the thought of hatred, you have already murdered somebody. Stop and think about that. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. The Word of God says it. So these are some of the things that we're looking at concerning. And we're going to be looking all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. As much as possible, cover as much as is possible within the different teachings that we're going to be having. So it is that imagination can simply be the representation of an individual thought. But remember, within a thought are the imaginations of that thought also. When God talked to David and he talked to uh, Solomon and taught him, you know, he told him that God is able to search out the imaginations of the thoughts. In other words, God can look at not only what you're thinking, but he can look at what you're imagining in those thoughts, what the intentions and the purposes and plans behind those things. Believe me, there is so much I can get into in every facet of life, how criminals, you know, get people ripped off by simply appealing to certain imaginations and fantasies of the mind, how both men and women manipulate each other in the imaginations of their mind, how things can be accomplished and done in advertising by planning thoughts in the imagination of your mind, and so much of the violence on TV and movies that have been created and a lot of the music that people hear are thoughts that are planted and imaginations create a certain fantasy that is a lie but yet we want to bring it to pass therefore we give it life by thinking on that thing and then willing to act upon it People that would say, I wonder what it feels like to kill somebody. Or I wonder what it feels like, you know, to get high. Or I wonder what it feels like. I wonder, and they imagine. But see, the imagination is not the real thing. It's just in the mind. So what do they do? They go and try this. They go and try that. And they experiment. And eventually, what they imagined may be either better or worse than what they thought, but it begins in the mind. That's why when we studied in study number five, the battle for the mind, and the battle for the conscience, and the battle for faith, and the battle for the imagination, because all of these are areas where the devil will fight us
if he can get us to think wrong, then he'll get us to believe wrong. And if we both think and believe wrong, what we say is going to be wrong. And if we both think and believe and say something that is wrong, then our actions will also be wrong. They'll be contrary to the Word of God. But if the Word of God is planted in the heart, planted in the mind, it's something daily that is meditated upon, then that Word will continue to flood and strengthen the imagination and having your conscience on a daily basis purified by the blood of Jesus, washed and cleansed by His Word, and walking in the light of the understanding and the knowledge of God Himself, then your steps can be ordered. Then your life can depend and trust on the Lord wholly, and you can lean on Him in all areas of your life, because He will not lead you astray, because His Word abides in you. And if His Word abides in you, then you can ask what you will. See, you can take what is in your imagination. You can take what's in your conscience. You can take what's in your heart. You can take what's in your mind. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And if it's full of the living word, Jesus, and it's full of his word, the spoken word and the written word, then that is what will eventually come to pass. Not because of any ability that you have, but because God's ability is already empowered into his own word. His own word, God just said, let there be light. And nobody had to do anything. Light just came. God said, let there be, and there was. No different. No different than God has already spoken it, and that word will not go back to him unless it fulfills what he has sent it for. So let's continue looking here at Webster's. Our simple apprehension of corporal, uh, corporal objects, if the object is present, then it's sense. If the object is absent, it's imagination. Let's take an example. I can close my eyes and I'm imagining that I'm standing in the middle of the universe, yet I'm not there. I don't know what the middle of the universe looks like. I know what some stars look like up in heaven. I've seen pictures of, uh, 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 of, of uh, what the Hubble telescope has taken. But I have no idea, but yet, I can imagine that and I am there. But there's no object present. That's my imagination. But I can imagine myself standing at the steps of the White House in Washington, D.C. Even though it is not present the moment that I am there, it is a fulfillment and a reality of something that I had in my mind apprehended I had thought of it I had conceived it and of course having a plane ticket or being able to drive or get there eventually I am there but that's something that of course now that I'm there it's no longer my imagination it's part of my senses I can see I can hear and I can even smell what the what the air smells like at that time but if I try to smell what space smells like 
try to hear what it sounds like, only my imagination can go there because I have absolutely no clue as far as the five senses are concerned. Now, as we continue, imagination in its proper sense signifies a lively conception of objects of sight. It is distinguished from conception as a part from a whole. Now remember, I'm just reading from the dictionary. You can follow on your own on the dictionary, but this is what the dictionary said. Eventually, I want to go ahead and look at some of the, the Hebrew words and some of the Greek words that we have uh, for this. But the business of conception is to present us with an exact transcript of what we have felt or perceived. But we also have a power of modifying our conceptions by combining the parts of different ones so as to form new holes or our own creation. I mean, stop and think about all the horror movies. Where in the world did they come up with some of the things? Somebody imagined it. And then somebody may have saw or seen something that actually was done, you know, a murder or whatever. And then they, in their mind, just add to it and combine and take away until they make something new. But it's still the, in the imagination. Now, a person that is a serial killer or a murderer or something like that, they may imagine these things to the point that eventually they cannot distinguish between what is real on TV, whether it's a cartoon or a movie, and what they're actually performing in real life because they've crossed over so much. So you have young kids watching videos and playing games where they'll shoot during that X number of years of playing that game. Who knows how many thousands of people that they will kill. And it's, it's anyway, it's just, it's a game. It's not real. But yet in their mind, eventually they'll go wind up doing something crazy and taking somebody's life because it's no different than what they do. Only difference is that in the TV movies, they get up again and do another movie somewhere else. But in real life, they don't. So imagination is a very powerful thing. It can modify your concepts. And, and this is going to be important also because when it comes to understanding and learning, our imagination continually modifies. Yeah, people that never stop daydreaming. And if you really stop and think about it, uh, they don't accomplish a whole lot. But then you have those that truly daydream and set their will and mind towards doing something and they accomplish it. This is uh, the end of part number three. We will be going to part number four. So if you'll just continue and the message will continue on the Red Heifer message number six. This is going to be part number four coming up.